Good morning, everyone. Great to have you here today at Epic. And if you are a guest with us, we welcome you. We're glad that you've chosen to join us today, and we hope that uh, you've had a good experience so far and that you just kind of relax and um, hit autopilot. I'll do all the flying, so you don't have to worry about anything this morning. I'll take care of that. Another one of my poor jokes that usually just like dies on the stage. I'm going to get a joke one of these days that you will laugh at, and I, I promise you I'll work hard at that. Um, today we are wrapping up our 5G series, and um, I, I think we, God's got some good things for us as we wrap this up and, um, and look at some application in our lives um, uh, from this. So we've been in this series on this journey of discovering what does it mean to live like Jesus, and the goal of uh, the Christian life, the goal for everyone who claims to be a Christ follower should be to become like Jesus. That's what God has for us. If you claim to be a Christ follower, if that's something that's, that's dear to your life, if that's a label that you would give yourself, if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God says, I want you to move from where you are and to move on a journey toward becoming like Jesus. Because we all know that we aren't born like Jesus. And every once in a while, we get these little reminders that we're not like Jesus. And uh, I had one yesterday. I was actually had the privilege of, of doing a funeral and was, um, let me say that again. I, it's not a privilege to do a funeral, okay? Um, but a dear friend um, passed uh, recently, and uh, actually um, some of the family are, are members here. And so I had the, the privilege and honor of doing that funeral service for him. And um, so anyway, I'm driving home from that event, and I'm real reflective and thinking and processing about his life and, um, and the service and the people that were there and just praying and just, just kind of in a zone when I'm driving. And um, I look in the rearview mirror, and I've got this guy on a motorcycle who's coming very fast, and he comes up behind me, and he gets on my tail, and I actually need to get over in the other lane, and um, he's a little irritated th- th- at the pace that I'm driving, and so um, I'm just looking in the rearview mirror, kind of just checking him out, trying to figure out what he's doing. He zips by me real fast and, and gives me the bird <laughs> while he passes and yells something not appropriate. And I was amazed at how quickly I went from this really reflective moment to I had some emotions inside that swelled up <laughs> that I'm not sure Jesus would want me to have. And... Um, I gave him the honk. <laughs> Not sure what I was trying to say, but I, I held it a little bit long because I wanted to really communicate that I was not happy with his decision. And then I decided maybe I should speed up and catch him. <laughs> so obviously, I've got a ways to go at becoming like Jesus. And uh, God said, what are you doing? You just are coming from a funeral. You should probably get off the road. Oh, okay. <laughs> God, thank you for the reminder I pulled off the road. So I was reminded again um, that I've got a journey to be on, and as we all do. And um, this journey of us becoming like Jesus, it's real important for us to actually spend some time looking at Jesus' life to see, you know, what did Jesus do? What was a, what was a part of, of his life? How would he have handled that with the motorcycle guy flipping him off? And, you know, I'm sure Jesus would have, like, done something really cool in that moment, and I don't know. Um, but I didn't. 
So on this journey, as we look at um, Jesus' life, we have examined some things in Scripture, and five things for me kept coming to the surface. And we've captured those things in our 5G strategy for becoming like Jesus. And here they are again. God, grow, gather, give, and go. And for us, it's real important. For us, we start with God, and we think that a relationship with God, a relation, anything, any healthy relationship in the world should start with God. First primary relationship that any one of us should have should be a relationship with God. And so we engage that through what's called prayer, just conversation with God. So we should learn how to talk to God every day, talk and listen to Him every day. And then we should learn how to apply what we're learning from the Bible. So it's important to learn from Scripture, but it's just as important to learn how to apply what we are learning from Scripture. It's a dangerous thing just to learn Scripture by itself and not do anything with it. Scripture's really clear about that, that if you learn something from God's Word, you should put it into practice in your life. And then the third G is gather. God wants us to operate in what's called community. And Jesus modeled this for us. He gathered a small group of, of believers around him, and he poured his life into them. And then after three years or so, he left and said, I'm leaving the greatest message in the world in your hands. Now I want you to go out and do the same. So it's really important for us to learn how to do life together because we weren't meant to do life alone. And last week, we talked about the fourth G, which is give. Learning to give of our time, our talents, and our resources to advance the kingdom of God. So one of the things that Jesus did so well was he gave. So he says, if you want to become like me, you need to, in turn, learn how to give. And then today we're going to be talking about the go part. So telling people about Jesus. And we have for you, should be on your seat or somewhere, a little bracelet for you to, to find. We, we actually ordered like 200 of them, and I think somebody said we ran out this morning. So there are some spaced around somewhere. If you, if you see somebody with two on their wrist, you know, feel free to snap one of them. Something like that, so you can have one. Um, and the goal for, for this um, little bracelet was, I need reminders. I need things that help me remember what I need to be doing. And uh, so we thought, hey, what about a little bracelet that we could wear? And if you're ever on your journey and you wonder, how am I doing in my relationship with God? Or where am I? Or what should I be focusing on next? Um, if you're wearing this, you could just look down and, and, uh, and see the 5Gs. So God, grow, gather, give, and go. And you could just ask yourself some questions. So you could say, you know what, am I talking and listening to God every day? Is that something that I have learned to do, or am I continually learning to do that? Have I grown a little weak in that? I need to get back into talking and listening to God. Growing, am I actually studying God's Word? Am I reading God's Word? And then when I get an application point, am I putting it into practice in my life? Then the last, the ga- or the third is the gather part. You know, am I in a small group? And we've got small groups that, that uh, you've heard this morning, Dave, talk about that, um, that they're, they're coming. Um, so we've got a small group starting point that's already here, and then the next step is here, and then in January we'll launch into what we call long-term small groups. But are you doing life with people? Because you weren't meant to go through life alone. It's not how God designed us. He designed us to live in relationship. And then the fourth G is the give. Are you giving of your time, talents, and resources back to God out of what he has given you? So just a great question to ask yourself on your journey with God towards becoming like Jesus. And then the last is the go. Are you telling people about Jesus with your life and your words? Are you going throughout your day, the circles that you operate in, are are you actually telling people about Jesus? Is that something that's passionate 
on your heart? Is that something that you're passionate about? Is, is that something that drives you? The importance for other people who don't know Jesus to know him. It should be if you are on your journey towards becoming like Jesus. Now today, as we focus on our fifth G, as we focus on going to tell people about Jesus with our life and our words, um, I am going to um, need a little bit of help. And I want you to think about the, these environments or the circles that we operate in. There are a lot of environments that we find ourselves in throughout a day. There are a lot of circles that we move in and out of. Um, we've got family circles. We've got friend circles and environments. We, we, you know, most of us go to work and have a, a work environment that we're a part of. There are hobbies that we do, and that's got an environment or a, a circle of people in. We've got neighborhoods that we live in, live in, and there are more. There are more environments and um, circles that we move in and out of on a regular basis. And sometimes we are on the inside of these circles, and sometimes we are on the outside of these circles. And we all know what it's like to be on the outside of a circle. Yeah, I, would, I would say that most of us understand what it's like to, to feel left out, what it's like to be on the outside of something. And I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of being the last kid picked for the sporting event. I mean, you know, some of us wouldn't want to raise our hands and say that, yes, that happened. But um, many of us have had experiences like that where I don't, I don't want to pick Trent. And the last one stand there. Pick me, pick me. I'll play. Or the new student at school. You know, school's just recently started. Um, and, you know, students coming in new from a, an, another environment. Or um, for my kids, we've got one in high school now, so she's kind of new to that environment. We've got one in middle school, so she's new to that environment. And we've got our last one. Um, last two are in elementary school, but the youngest stepped into elementary school, and so he's kind of new to that environment. So they understand that newness, what it feels like to kind of be new to a school, new to a class, and feeling a little bit left out. Or maybe new at work. You know, you come into work, everybody kind of has a good rhythm and flow, and you're, you're new there. Or even new to church. And you might be here this morning in that spot. And that's a weird place to be. You know, I, when I get time off, I don't get a lot of time off on Sundays, but when I get time off on Sundays... Um, I try to go visit other churches for several reasons. Because I've got this odd thing in me that I like to feel what it feels like to be a new person. I don't like feeling like a new person. When I go into a church that I'm not familiar with, you know, I get those butterflies and feel a little bit awkward. And are people going to talk to me? Am I going to know where to go? Am I going to know how to get out if I need to get out? Like if it gets real weird, you know, and I got to run. Just so you know, if it gets real weird, you can go straight out the back or out the side door. You know, there are some exits out the front here too. Um, so it feels weird to be on the outside of things. It feels weird to, to be left out. And we do different things to deal with that experience in life. So sometimes we try to ignore those circles. You know, if you're outside of the circle, sometimes we try to act like that circle's not important. We just ignore it altogether. Or other times we make our own circles. So I'm not in a circle, so I'm going to make a circle. And my circle will be tight, and it'll just be those that I invite into my circle. And if you're outside of my circle, you can stay outside of my circle. And then other times we do whatever is necessary to get inside that circle. You know, if we've deemed a circle is important, whatever environment that we're in, we'll do whatever it takes to get inside that circle. We'll do relationship gymnastics. We'll, we'll promise the world. Uh, we'll do all kinds of really weird, strange things to try to get inside a circle. All right, so here's what I need. I need some volunteers. I need actually six 
volunteers, and I'm trying to find enough space for you guys to do this. So I need six volunteers. So come on up if you want to be a volunteer. Um, and I won't make you do anything really weird. Tim made people do something weird one time, like dance on the stage or something like that. I won't make you do that. And we have this dance floor right here. Okay, so we do have six. We have four. We all, all men. All right, here's what I need. Let's come. All right, let me move some stuff out of the way. Way to go, guys. I need somebody to be our left out volunteer. Anybody? You, you want to be left out? Okay, so here's what we'll do. Well, co- actually, come this way. You come over here to this side, and you guys come down here and get in a tight circle. Okay, you guys represent a tight group of friends. All right, so you guys are tight. You've known each other for a really long time. You love each other. You do life together. I mean, you know, you've been best buds since you were born. All right, so a very tight circle. All right, and here's what you are going to have the challenge of doing is trying to get inside that circle. All right, guys, I need you tight. You're not tight enough. I, need, I mean, tight. Yes, tight. There you go. You're tight friends, okay? So I need you. I'm going to give you like 10 seconds, and I need you to do whatever it takes to get inside that circle. No blood or anything like that. Don't bite anybody, okay? But just whatever you need to do to get inside the circle. All right. And we've, you know, got lights and stuff. So, you know, don't throw anybody or anything like that. Okay, here we go. (laughs) He did it! Woo! He did it! He did it! Way to go! Good job, good job. You may be seated. Please give them a, a round of applause for that incredible demonstration of community. Wow! That was amazing. It actually has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. I just, I'm just kidding. It actually does. I do got rug burn. Do you? Oh, yeah. Okay. We've got first aid somewhere. All right. Um, way to go. Good job. Did you notice anything about what happened up here? Participate with me. What are some of the things that you noticed? What stood out to you? You really wanted in. You did. You really wanted in. You did whatever it took. It got tighter. It got tighter, and they worked really hard at staying tight. Anything else? Got picked up. Somebody got headbutted. Somebody in the back. What was that? Okay. All right. All right. All right, anybody else? Did I see a hand in the back? Say it again. They stayed together once he got in there. Well, cool. Did you notice that I did not tell them, don't let him in? Did you notice that? I just said, stay tight. But I didn't say, don't let him in. I did this illustration one other time, and somebody, like, gave the point away, and uh, it happened. And so they just went, here, come on in. And, oh, Wow, that's the way we should operate. All right, so anyway, so we'll unpack this just, just a little bit. It's, it's interesting that that's often how we operate when we're inside a circle. Not always, but often that's how we drift. And we often forget what it feels like to be on the outside of a circle. What it's like for that person to be, you know, over here and, and working really hard to do whatever it takes to get in. And sometimes somebody works really hard and they get in and then they, they are accepted. 
and then they stay. But other times, there's constantly that feeling of, if you're not a part of the original group, then you'll never make it in. No matter what you do, no matter how long you've lived here, no matter what, you'll never be able to make it into our group. When I was um, in elementary school, my family uh, went away for like a month or something, and I was traveling with my family. And when I came home, my best friend in that area had, had uh, been kind of lonely, so he decided to become best friends with our rival in the neighborhood. And so the guy that, you know, we didn't like, he was on the outside of our circle, and we made sure he knew he was on the outside of our circle. And so I come home, and I find my best friend and our rival now best friends. And I was on the outside of the circle, and they made it very clear. You're outside now. You're not a part of, of our group. You're not a part of, of what we are doing. And so I would watch them throughout the neighborhood. I'd look out my window and watch my friend and this other bozo go do stuff without me. And, and I was so lonely. I was so heartbroken. And it didn't take long for my friend to come to his senses, you know, and decide to welcome me back in. But guess what happened? Once I got in, the other guy was out. The other guy was outside the circle. He was not invited anymore to be a part of, of that circle. You know, I, I'm bothered by that. You know, as I look back at that, I'm, I'm hurt about how I interacted with that because I knew what it felt like to be outside. I knew what it felt like to be left out. And I wish I could say that I learned my lesson. I wish I could say that, you know, in that moment I changed because I felt that experience and I didn't want anybody else to feel that experience. So I welcomed him in to our circle. But I didn't. I was a punk kid. And so I just kind of wanted to be in. I was so happy to be in. I didn't care what happened to that guy. It didn't matter. As long as I was in, it didn't matter what was going on in anybody else's world. And um, it's a horrible feeling to be left out. And often we forget what it's like. As we grow older, we find our little niches, we find our little circles, we find our little environments, we move towards those. And if church is one for you, sometimes we move into a church environment and we're comfortable and it's nice. And we settle and we're really happy and good and we worship and we praise God and we do our thing. And we forget what it's like to be on the outside. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible to Luke 15, page 797 in our paperback Bibles. Luke 15, uh, we're going to start in verse 1. In verse 1, it sets the scene for us of what we're going to keep talking about here. Luke 15, 797, verse 1 says this, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Now, it's funny how the first sentence starts off here, tax collectors and other notorious sinners. So apparently tax collectors were pretty notorious people back in that day. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, they were the spiritual leaders of the community. They had the most prominent positions in the culture because in the day and age that Jesus lived, in that culture, in that environment, in that circle that they operated in, everything was spiritual. Everything was a religious activity. Everything was, even eating. Even eating was a religious activity. 
And it, it had significant implications, who you would eat with and who you would not eat with. And uh, so eating represented a symbol of friendship or acceptance. So if you decided to eat with a group of people, you were saying, these are my friends. I accept you. You are a part of my circle. And so Jesus says to these notorious sinners, as that passage says, I want you to be included in my circle. I want you to be a part of my friends. I welcome you. You can sit at the table and eat with me. And so the religious leaders are very upset with Jesus. This is a major statement that he has made, and, and they're saying it's not okay for you just to eat with anybody. And uh, they don't like Jesus for that. So Jesus decides to tell them this story, starting in verse 4. We're going to read from 4 down to, down to verse 10. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. This story tells us about the heart of God. It tells us that God cares very much about the people who are not in his circle. He cares very much about the people who are not sitting at his table, who are not around that table, who are not around that his family event. He cares very much for them. He cares so much for them that he says, you know what, I'll go. I'll go find them. I'll go look for them. I'm not going to send anybody else in this moment. I'm going to go. I'll get up and go and find those people who are not around my table, who are not in my circle of friends. I'll invite them in. I'll go find them and invite them in. The Bible is 66 smaller books, also known as letters, that are put together with the same main storyline. And that storyline is that God is pursuing you and me. God is pursuing us. That's the storyline of Scripture. That, as we talked about last week, the Bible teaches that humanity started in a right relationship with God in the Garden of Eden. We had everything going well for us. Life was good. And then we decided we didn't want to be influenced by God. We didn't want to be in His circle anymore. We didn't want His rules and regulations. So we opted out. We said, I want to get out of this circle. And so we stepped out. And the Bible teaches, um, often it calls us, it describes us like sheep. Sheep that have wandered away, just like Jesus used in this story. Sheep that have wandered away from our shepherd, wandered away from the relationship that we have with him, wandered away from his protection and care. And our shepherd loves us so much. He says, I'm going to come after you. I'll leave the 99 and I'm going to come after you. And you might be in that position today where you feel like you've been very far from God. 
and you've wandered, and you've drifted, and you've known where you've needed to be, and yet you're not there. Jesus is coming after you. He's pursuing you as a loving shepherd is looking for his lost sheep. So he can celebrate when that lost sheep is found, and he can take it home and and tell his friends and family and neighbors and say, we found the lost sheep. If you're a lost sheep, you're being pursued by your loving shepherd. And here, as a, a group of people trying to learn what it means to be the church, we don't want anybody to be on the outside. We don't want anybody to have that feeling. You know, I understand as you come in new to a church environment, that'll be there. But I hope that that feeling goes away quickly. I hope that as you walk in, you feel a place that you're accepted and loved, and you can call this your church home if this is a place that God wants you to be connected. And that's why for us, one of our spiritual growth, one of our major spiritual growth um, catalysts is being plugged into a small group. And that's why, you know, we felt very strongly for Tim and Sarah to move uh, from Atlanta Tim and Sarah Jones decided to move down here to help us build our, our small group structure. And so we have our, again, as David told earlier, our starting point, our, our next step. And then after that, we've got our long-term small groups. Again, you can sign up on our website at theepicchurch.com. And uh, we've got a, a meeting on the 26th, just to give you some information about that right after the service. But we want everybody plugged into a place where you can be known and loved. It's that important. You know, when you're off doing your Lone Ranger Christian thing or all by yourself, um, it's real easy for you to be attacked by the enemy and be consumed by the enemy. And we don't want that. So we want you plugged in somewhere where you can be loved. And there's so much hurt and pain in our world. And, and so much of this, we just weren't meant to experience it alone. And there are times as I look around at the world around me and I see the pain in people's lives and I, and I talk to them and, and I hear what they're going through, there are times that I have this conversation with God and I say, God, when are you coming back? This is a rough world we live in. You know, when, Jesus, are you going to step out of that First Thessalonians 4 cloud and call your believers home? When is that going to happen? And often when I have that conversation with God, he reminds me of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 and verse 15, where it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. And then verse 15 says, And remember, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. God is holding off on sending Jesus back because his heart is for the lost sheep. His heart is for those who are on the outside of his circle. He's extending as much time as possible to those who don't know him so that they can come into a relationship with him and spend eternity in heaven with him. That's the heart of God, his patience, so that more and more people can come to know him. I ask you to turn over to Matthew chapter 28, found on page 760. Matthew 28, page 760. And this passage is uh, very familiar to church environments. If you have any church background, you should be familiar with this. It's known as the Great Commission. And these are Jesus' final words before leaving planet Earth and going back to heaven. The last things that he is going to say to his followers. Very important last few words that Jesus has for us. And he says this. 
in verse 18. And Jesus came to his disciples, came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you have given your heart to Jesus, if you have placed your faith and trust in him and believe that he's died on the cross for you, then God has an assignment for you. God has a very specific assignment, and it's to go. It's to go and tell people about Jesus. The reality that we've talked about a number of times in this series is that when Jesus comes back to take his followers home to heaven, we won't have another opportunity to return to planet Earth to, to talk to anybody. We won't have another chance to come back and talk to a neighbor or a coworker or somebody that you go to school with. We won't have another opportunity to change something or say sorry to someone or make something right that, that was wrong. And the chances are at that point, for someone to, to come to know Jesus, to come into a relationship with Jesus at that point is very small. Very small chances for that to happen. And at that point, anyone outside of God's family will most likely stay outside of God's family for eternity, forever. They will stay outside of God's family and always feel that outsider feeling, that horrible outsider feeling will always be there. Whenever we find ourselves in life, whatever situation, whatever environment, whatever circles that you're in, God wants you to leverage the opportunities that you've been given to tell people about Jesus. Because knowing Jesus is the most important thing on planet Earth. Knowing Jesus is the most important thing for us as we cross from this life into the next. And I want to look at just one environment that most of us are in, and that's our work environments. You know, many of us really don't love going to work. I don't know a whole lot of people that love work. Um, But some of you are barely surviving at work. I mean, you're barely making it. You're just like, oh, I hate my work so much. And I talk to people often about their job environments, and often it's a regular conversation, I just hate my work. And uh, if people could figure out a way to um, make a living without working, I think we would all sign up for it. But work is a part of our lives. And I think God wants us to change our perspective about work and look at it from a slightly different perspective. Because what if... God has placed you in that environment because you are going to be a light in that world, the only light that someone will look to and find Jesus. Maybe you'll be the only Bible that someone will ever read in your work environment, and it's because you've been placed there. The only, only opportunity that someone will have to come into a, a relationship with Jesus Christ is because, because maybe you've been placed there for a reason for a specific reason, not just to get a paycheck, not just produce whatever widget you produce, but to actually advance the kingdom, actually tell people about Jesus as you work hard and as you do what God has called you to do. I believe that God has strategically placed you in all of the environments that you are in. He strategically placed you at your work environment. He strategically placed you in your family. He strategically placed you around your friends or your, the neighborhood that you live in. He strategically placed you there so that you can tell people about Jesus. That's, that's your role. That's my role. That's our assignment in life. And there may be things that come along like work sometimes that we don't understand. We say, God, this isn't the job for me. It's not a job I want to have long term. Or something comes into your world that's confusing or painful, some experience that God has allowed you to, to go through. 
And I still believe that God uses every one of those opportunities, every one of those things that happens in your world, every experience that you have, it's placed there by God. Many of you know that my wife has battled with chronic Lyme disease for over three years now. And it's, it's been a very humbling disease for our family. It's, it's really humbled our faith. It's, it's strengthened our faith. It's strengthened our marriage. It's strengthened our family. Um, but it's stretched us in, in, uh, in many ways. And oh, about a year ago, Tammy had to travel down to Halifax Medical Center every day, seven days a week, uh, for about seven months. And she'd go down to the infusion center, and she would have her medicine run through her arm and run through her body, and um, she would sit there and watch new patients come in and new patients leave and new, more new patients come in and patients leave. And um, she got very well acquainted with the, the nurse, nursing staff there. And, um, and she had several really great privileges to share her faith with people as she's sitting in a chair, hooked up to medicine, sitting next to another person in a chair, hooked up to medicine. Just a lot of quiet time, sitting around talking and finding out about each other. And so Tammy used those opportunities to tell those people about Jesus. And one day after treatment, she came out and she said, maybe I have Lyme's disease so I could tell one of these people about Jesus. Maybe God blessed me with Lyme so I could sit in this chair and open my mouth and speak words of Jesus, words of life to someone who may never hear it. You know, they think that they're at their road's end, sitting in this infusion center, wrestling with with faith in God and life, and maybe I'm placed here just to help them. And I went, wow, and God blessed me to be married to you. That's incredible, because my perspective often isn't like that. I don't often see uh, things like that, but I think that's what God wants us to see life like. I think God wants us to turn our perspective and change it and to see things differently, because God never wastes an opportunity for us to talk about Jesus, never. He never wastes an opportunity or a thing that you're going through. He always leverages those things. And I don't know if, if you're like me, but there have been moments in my journey with God where I've seen those moments where it's been like the door was open and I knew that in that moment God wanted me to tell somebody about Jesus, start up a conversation, ask them about faith, ask them about you know if they go to church anywhere or something like that. And I've had those moments where I have shrunk back. The door was open and the Holy Spirit said, here you go. I'm going to open this one for you. Come on in. Let's, let's talk about Jesus. This is going to be great. And I've gone, I don't think so. You know, maybe somebody else. Maybe some other time. Um, and we have these, these fears or these thoughts that, you know, we don't know what to say sometimes. Or we're afraid that we're going to mess something up. You know, maybe I'll say the wrong thing and it'll like push somebody farther away from God in that moment. So sometimes we allow fear to keep us from telling people about Jesus. Sometimes the door's wide open for us and we just shrink back and we need to walk through that door. My dad had an experience like that with a friend of his that he was growing up with, um, a friend he was really tight with, and um, they kind of drifted after high school and college as, as life often happens to all of us. And after several years later, they got reconnected and um, my dad then mustered up the courage. You know, he just mustered up the strength. Okay, I've got to tell my friend about Jesus. I mean, this is my, my, my friend from our childhood years. It's really important for him to know about Jesus. And so he mustered up the courage, and he shared Jesus with his friend. And it was one of those just kind of holy moments. So his friend was searching, and his heart was wide open. And in that moment, my, my dad shared his faith. Uh, his friend um, received Jesus. 
as his Lord and Savior. He said, yes, I want that. That'd be great. I want Jesus in my life. And then as the conversation rolled on, my dad's friend asked my dad a question that haunted my dad for years. And he said, Art, what took so long? Why didn't you tell me about Jesus sooner? I could have died and I would have spent an eternity outside of God's family. What took you so long to tell me about Jesus? So my dad was very humbled by that, and I'm humbled by it. As I think about my dad's friend saying that to my dad, and I, it kind of echoes in my mind from time to time. You know, I think one day that we will, as Christ followers, those who have given our hearts to Jesus, one day we will see those people that we could have had opportunities to share our faith with. One day we'll see neighbors, we'll see co-workers, we'll see family members, we'll see friends. And I cannot imagine looking into the eyes of someone like that and hearing them say to me, why didn't you ever tell me? Why didn't you ever tell me about Jesus? You know, were, were you just afraid? Why did you allow your fear to get in the way of you not telling me about a real relationship with Jesus? Not telling people about Jesus is like knowing the cure for cancer and never telling anyone about it. Just let that settle in for just a moment. And if one day you found the cure for cancer, I think that anybody that found that would be shouting from the mountaintops, you know, you can be freed from this disease. You can be cancer-free, and here's the cure, and I have it. And often we have the cure for life the diseases of life and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet often we're just afraid to tell people, afraid to share our faith in a real way for them to know it. And again, it's, it's up to them to decide whether they want that in their life or not. But it's our duty to go and tell people. Here's a real practical way that you can begin telling people about Jesus. Next week, we're gonna start a new series called Rethink. And in this series, we're going to be rethinking things of faith and Jesus and church and prayer, and eternity. And we've designed this series to be a a series that someone who is exploring faith could come in and and feel safe enough to explore and move in a relationship towards God. So that's kind of how this series has has been developed and and packaged. And um, to get the word out, we've done some advertisements in our Penny Saver. Maybe a few of you have seen our advertisements in the Penny Saver. We've done some ads in um, the Observer newspaper. We've got some ads that are going to come out in our epic movie theater um, when they get all that figured out. We'll have that hopefully in the next few weeks. And uh, we've been passing out flyers. We've, passed, uh, we've had a, a few days of flyer uh, passing out. You may have gotten one of these on your car and wondered what in the world that was all about. And we've known a few people that have actually shown up because they got a flyer on their car. And um, if that's you, we're glad that you're here. Next Saturday at 10 a.m., we're going to do another one just uh, the day before we, we launch this series. So 10 a.m., um, we're going to meet at our current, where our current offices are, located at Palm Coast Community Church. And uh, last time we had about 25 people show up, and I encourage you to come. As many people as possible makes, makes it a whole lot, um, go a whole lot faster. And we're just going to take these flyers, and we're going to go throughout the county, and we're going to put flyers on all the cars in the major parking lots in the county. And um, I know some of you are probably thinking, is that legal? And there are no city ordinances against it. We've done our homework. We've asked. And so, you know, yes, if, if someone asks us to leave their parking lot, we will leave their parking lot graciously. Um, and, you know, you think, how effective is it 
to put a flyer on our car? Well, I don't know, but it gets the word out. People see it and have an opportunity to respond to this. And um, these seem to be, this kind of strategy seems to be way more effective than uh, mailers that have been, been done in the past. And just so you know, you hear from me personally, I am not a big fan of passing out flyers. It's not like something I do on Saturday where I say, Tammy, I'll be back in a couple hours. I'm going to go run around town and pass out flyers. Not, you know, the funnest thing I think of to do on a Saturday. But if placing a flyer on a car, someone will pull it off their car and one day maybe come to know Jesus, I'll put a flyer on a car. I'll do a lot of things that will make me feel uncomfortable if it means someone will come closer to Jesus. Because one day they'll stand in his presence and if they don't know him, They'll be left outside of a circle. That'll break God's heart, and that'll break my heart, and that'll break their heart. And so I want to overcome any of those fears that I have or those things I go, oh, that's just not my thing. God goes, just go and tell people about Jesus. You've got some flyers on your chair, and uh, they're placed there for you to take and invite your friends. Maybe you've got a neighbor that God wants you to invite or somebody that you work with that God just wants you to hand and say, here, I want to hand you a flyer and invite you to church. What they do with it is up to them. Your responsibility stops at that point. But our job is to go and tell and invite. Our tagline here at church is a church for people who don't do church. And we take a little flack from that in the community. There's some church folks that don't like our tagline, and that's okay because I'm not after them. It's a little play on words. We don't want to just go around doing church. We actually want to be the church. We want to learn what it means to be the church and be a place that, where people are accepted and loved and welcomed and their hurts are uh, being healed by Jesus, and a place where they can come and just be who God's called them to be, and a place that's safe and an environment that they'll be encouraged and not just left where they are, but challenged to move in a direction towards Jesus. Church should be a group of people who live what they believe, who actually live it, actually live what they believe. Not just a building that we meet in or a people that are known for being judgmental or hypocrites. That's usually what church people are known as. God wants us to be a different kind of church. God wants us to be the church more than just a place to meet. And it has everything to do with these five G's that we're talking about. It has everything to do with talking and listening to God on a daily basis. It has everything to do with growing in our relationship with him, applying what we are learning. It has everything to do with gathering within small groups to really be known in community. It has everything to do with giving of our time, talents, and resources. And it has everything to do with going and telling everybody everywhere about the message of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you, Lord, that Jesus, you left the splendor of heaven to come to earth to tell us about a relationship with you that'll last forever. Lord, and you've challenged each one of us, those that, that claim to be Christ followers, that we shouldn't just settle into our nice little comfort zones and our nice little circles and just have our nice, tight group of friends, but that we should go. We should be a church on a mission. We should go in our community and tell people about Jesus with our life and our words. We should go everywhere into our work environments, into our neighborhoods, hang out with our friends, anybody we see anywhere. We should always be ready for every moment that you might open the door for someone to cross over into a relationship with you. 
that we could be there as a, as a tool, as a vessel, as a spokesperson, as someone who says, you should know about Jesus because he's the most amazing person in the world. He saved my life. So Lord, I pray that all of us today as we wrap up this series, we would be passionate about living out the 5G life. Lord, that we would talk and listen to you every day. And we'd apply what we're learning we would gather in small groups to challenge and sharpen each other. That we would give, or just freely give, of our time, talents, and resources. And God, finally, that we would go with a, a clear call and a clear mission, knowing that one day you'll return, and when you do, our time will be up. So Lord, until that day, we wanna go and tell people about Jesus everywhere. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.